What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Joe Bonamassa here from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm talking to my good friend and British blues legend, one of the founding fathers of the British blues boom in the 1960s. He has been on the road for almost 55 years. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Kim Simmons from Savoy Brown. Kim, great to see you, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. Lovely introduction. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, you know, it's um, it's it's an honor. We've known each other a very long time, and um, I've been a fan my whole life. And you know, in doing the research for 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 this program, I, I was I was really you know, in, enthralled with with how involved you were early on, you know, with John Mayall, Alexis Corner in the mid '60s, and you guys were bringing the blues to the masses, and you were the impetus for this this explosion that happened um you know when did you when did you become enamored with the blues uh, I, I had an older brother you know like so many of us do have a family member that was into music so throughout the 1950s i would listen to him you know and rock and right. roll and everything and it was about 62 63 maybe 62 that um I was able to, yeah, I was listening to all sorts of black music, you know, gospel, right. doo-wop, rock and roll, right. R&B. And then about 62, it was like, wow, you know, I heard the Muddy Waters band and realized there was a difference in music, you know. Right. Oh, this is Chicago blues. And actually, this is what I really like. So I was about 14 years old, 62, when uh, when I um, became lucky, really right. blues fanatic, you know. When... Um who was the host in your family that put the guitar or 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 kind of gave you the bug for 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 playing guitar? You know, uh, everybody yeah. has a host. Yeah, no, I didn't have that. You know, it was there was no musical connection. Uh, and I, there's a story I tell. I, I don't tell it so often now because it's probably old hat. Mm -hmm. But um, I wanted, you know, I, I heard all the guitar sounds around me and on record. And uh, I'd see some of the rock and roll TV shows, Old Boy and that on the English thing. And I always liked the guitar. And I saw an ad, and this is the truth, the ad of the, the back of my parents' crossword puzzle book they mm -hmm. had. And it said, uh, you know, you could buy this guitar, mail order guitar. Right. And it was right next to the Charles Atlas ad. There was right. a Charles Atlas ad and there was the guitar. And above it, the headline said something like, make friends at school. And so I thought, wow, you know, I, I'll get myself this guitar, and uh, which was quite a, a a brave move because you know there was nothing like that in our family, and so and I was a bit very very shy at the time, and uh, so I sent away for for the mail order guitar. As weeks went by, looked out my bedroom window one day. This was in London. Mm -hmm. And down the street, the postman was coming with this big box. So I thought, that's my guitar. So I ran down to the front stairs, got the guitar, took it to my bedroom, mm -hmm. uh, opened it up. It, one thing the manufacturers failed to tell me, it came, uh, it wasn't put together. It was unassembled. Ah. And it was an acoustic guitar, probably balsa wood, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, right. And so uh, I actually put it together. And uh, found somebody in the neighborhood, an older gentleman that I'd heard knew something about guitar. And he tuned it up for me. And, and then I did take it to school. And right. then I, I played around in it and took it to school. And people were saying, wow, you're really good. And I'm thinking, what, what are they talking about? You know, I've 
can't anybody do this? You know, so I think I had an aptitude for it. That was my guitar. And then I got, um, then I quickly realized I must have been reading books or something. Uh, and that they were saying that, oh, I don't know how I, how I got hold of the idea, but realized that if you stay too much with the acoustic guitar, it's difficult to make a switch to electric right. mm -hmm. and vice versa. Right. We all know that now. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we knew it back then. So, uh, so I thought oh, I'd better you know, switch to electric. So I got a, uh, Hofner very thin guitar, right. uh, on, uh, at the, at the local sort of store that sold furniture and a number of things. And uh, my dad bought me the guitar. So uh, that started me off. I started playing that. And I think very quickly I was becoming adept at playing because I sort of locked myself away, you know, mm -hmm. I'd, you know playing the guitar. And uh, then I switched, realized, you know, I was looking at all the people I liked. Uh, this would have been... Uh, 64, yeah, it'd be 64. I was looking at the people around that I liked. I'd see the Yardbirds with Eric Clapton. There was Steve Cropper, you know, with, uh, there was James Burton. They all played Telecasters. Right. So I thought, oh, you know. So then my first professional setup was to buy a Telecaster. I have no idea in my memory banks how I got that guitar. Uh, oh, I was working at the time. I had mm -hmm. a day job, so I must have saved up the money. And I bought the Telecaster and a Vox AC30, and I was off and running. You know, I had a guitar then, a really professional setup, and then I started. You can rule the world with a Telecaster and a Vox <laughs> AC30. You proved it. <laughs> you know, one of the things, like, you know, the people I've interviewed a lot for this show, they, you know, on the American side of it was they would say, I got into it, Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And, and, you know, you could, you could trace the arc of guitar sales from pre Beatles on Ed Sullivan to right. Beatles. And then the whole thing just exploded right. in England. It, there was a guy named Hank Marvin in a band called right. the shadows. That's a, yes. How influential, like, cause he was the first guy playing a fender guitar and everybody wanted a red strap right. and so much so that Selmer would paint these guitars red just to, you know, to, satiate the demand how big wow. were the shadows as an influence to you as far as like on i want to be on stage rock and electric guitar you know versus the beatles um i think they they had to have been an influence uh at the time with my elder brother who was who was listening to all the american music mm -hmm. i was a big chuck berry fan right so i you know, that was the kind of music that I was listening to. All my friends, of course, were digging the shadows. So I would go around their house and we would play those records. Right. And we had a school band that were a very good shadows school band. It, you know, in, you know, I was part, I was part of the group and enjoying it. And, and still to this day, I like shadows right. music. But I never fully invested myself in it because in the back there was this sort of little guy saying, you know, you know, no, Chuck Berry's great, you know. And uh, so I was always drawn to that. Uh, so not not a huge influence. Uh, when I saw the Beatles, it was a big influence because I saw yeah. them on a TV the first time. And like, like I was watching one of those, again, I had to be 14, 15. I don't know when they came out, 62 maybe. I was 14 if they came out in 62. And... Uh, 
I was watching like a four or five o'clock children's program and, and the Beatles came on and every, they would have an act on, you know, they would have a music yeah. act on. The Beatles came on and it was like, wow, you know, this is like the blues music I was listening to. It's the drummer just had one kit, you know, you just had a single kit. Right. Because even back then you had flashy white drum kits and everything. Right. That, and, uh, and immediately I recognized it uh, as being honest and straightforward. Like the blues, in fact, Love Me Do was very bluesy with the harmonica, right. so it, it got me, it got me. And uh, it was like, yeah, this is like, this is like Bo Diddley kind of thing, with Bo Diddley, and there was a guy with the drums and the maracas. It was like stripped down, honest music. And I immediately connected the Beatles to the blues and uh, major influence. Well, you know, they, they, you know, here that was, it was a, it was a, it was a, a sea change and, you know, what I've noticed is uh, the American blues music was, and, and probably still to this day in a lot of ways, is much more appreciated overseas in Europe mm -hmm. and in England than it was here. You know, when you first came to America, were you shocked that like guys like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and even, uh, uh, even to a more popular extent, B.B. King and Freddie and Albert, were you, were you shocked that they weren't more household names, that they weren't like selling out arenas because they were so, gods? Yeah, no, you know? yeah, but it was to, it was totally shocking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, so I we ended up, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, seeing all the blues guys that we loved in very small clubs with very few people there. And uh, which was fantastic, you know, for us. Right. But right. Uh, I think that was the that was the. Uh, the charm about the music and what pulled it what pulled me in was that nobody else knew about it you know and it was uh, it was a great feeling of being in on something you know that that, that the majority of people didn't know so at the same time uh, when we did interviews on radio the first thing we would say was you know hey this is where we where we got the music from these are the people you know so we we did go on a bit of a pilgrimage no not is it a pilgrimage whatever the word is to uh, you know to get the word out that um uh you know, really, we, we, we're just playing, you know, American blues music, yeah. And you, you, you founded Savoy Brian in 1965, from what I right. read. Right, And um, what was the lineup in 65, the original lineup? The original lineup was John O'Leary on harmonica. Mm -hmm. He was the catalyst with myself that put the band together. We were the two that met. And I said, let's put a band together. He was a harmonica player. Uh, myself on guitar, bass, drums. Uh, vocals, mm -hmm. uh, Bryce Porteous on vocals, it, and uh, Bob Hall on piano. So it was the full uh, Chicago blues band is what I was right. trying to do. In fact, uh, a person got in touch with me who we know pen pals, if old fashioned word for email right. each other. He's in, right. he, he moved to uh, New Zealand and he wrote me a couple of weeks. We got in touch about a month ago, maybe six yeah. weeks ago. And he said he was walking uh, home from his girlfriend's in that would have been 66 and 60 late in winter of 65 I rehearsed the band at right. a pub in an up room, upstairs room had a small stage and I rehearsed the band there in real time you know in this yeah, yeah. in this room and then just opened it as a as a club and in 66 and uh fellow from New from New Zealand's name I forget right now he was walking home from his girlfriend's and he said he suddenly hears what sounds like the Muddy Waters blues band mm -hmm. he couldn't believe it so of course he goes upstairs and it was Savoy Brown so it was wonderful 
to hear from him because you know sometimes you think going that far back was just a dream you know right are, are you making this stuff up or exaggerating uh, yeah it was the muddy waters blues band that was the lineup harmonica myself on guitar bass drums vocals and uh, piano piano and we took and we actually took a a upright piano up those stairs. It was winding stairs. And nice. we, we, we took it up the stairs. And unbelievably, because we couldn't, it got stuck. And the, uh, the pub owner, I, I, I don't know why he believed in us. He said, don't worry, push it. And we pushed it up and plaster was falling off the walls. And we got an upright piano into the place. I recently visited um, the building I lived in oh, almost 25 years ago in New York City. Um, and it was a fourth floor walk up, but had eight flights of stairs to get to this crappy apartment I rented when I moved from Utica, New York to New York City. And the one thing that it was, it was like nothing had changed, the floors, the stairs, nothing had changed. You're kidding. And, and I'm sitting there going, the only thing that I thought of was I, I flashed back to the amount of gear that I used to lug up and down those eight flights of stairs. And I go, there's no way I would do that now. There's no way. And then you go, that's a young man's game. So you're like right. going, spiral staircase, we need an upright piano. You know, you're 19 years old, let's right. go. You know, and it's, that's it's, right. it's yeah. amazing what you're able to achieve back in the day where you're just trying to get something going and you're like, right. it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Now you'd be like, forget it, you know, use I, the I, door. You know, <laughs> I know it's uh, it's it's wonderful looking back that uh, it's energy, right? You know, so you got you got the energy for it, you know, and that starts to dissipate as the older you get. Well, you know, and and you know, on, on your records, I was listening to, I went through the whole uh, Savoy Brown catalog today, and you know, you guys always stuck to the to, to that format of bands. Now, there's a there's a game that everybody plays called the six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon, you know, and it's like, it, uh, you know, you can name any actor and somehow as a tie in with 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 Kevin Bacon, the actor. Oh. I think you could do that with Savoy Brown because yeah. the amount of the amount of members and people that have been in and out of the band range from Bill Bruford to Lonesome Dave to, you know, Chuck Webb and, and you know, Chicken Shack people. Um but you always retain that sound, which tells me that you, Kim Simmons, are the sound of that band. And, and, and you know, so as a band leader, when you would get new members in and out of the group in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, would you go, this is our format we're, and, and, and this is the, the, the kind of sound that we're going for? And then people would kind of just fall into that. Wow, that's a good question, really. Uh... It, I was always wanting to to grow the band. So if I brought somebody in the band, I was happy to uh, give them space and give them their own room. You know, right. I didn't sort of bring them in the band and say, yeah, this is my band. And right. uh, it's, so I think that when I brought people in, I was quite open, uh, perhaps too open, mm -hmm. because sometimes you do have to have a little bit more. As time went on, perhaps I was a bit too lackadaisical about, about what you're just saying. It's very interesting. Uh, but but normally um, uh, I would just bring people in and, and just see how it how it would go. Right. I, I, now, fr from where I'm at now, I realize that uh, as long as my guitar playing was strong, the, mm. the band was strong. And, and that's not saying that egotistically. I think that the it's because I've noticed that when my guitar playing wasn't strong, 
no, I wasn't, you know, no, I wasn't such a strong leader. No, there wasn't, you know, people weren't sort of, you know, using that as, uh, as a, um, you know, as the lead thing. And I, I noticed that even today, that, that even today when I've had a band for, for 10 years, we've been together, but I make it a point that when we rehearse, that guitar is going to really um, sing and that guitar is going to dominate because I want to inspire Pat and Garnet, you know. Right. And I've noticed that sometimes if, okay, I haven't had a good night's sleep and, you know, uh, I leave my pajamas on and we, re we rehearse or something, you know, it's just not the same, you know. Right. We, we all need, even if it's just a rehearsal, uh, I've got to have that guitar talking you know i've, I've got to yes. got to be talking but i've got to be talking you know it's got to be talking so that everybody gets inspired and i think that i do think that it's be, uh, that uh, the guitar when i've you know it it has been uh, when that's been the case and i've had that guitar talk and then the band has been re had a, f a strong focus when that hasn't been the case, mm -hmm. you know, uh, especially in the 70s, you know, you have family, you've got children, blah, blah, blah. And the guitar started to be you know, at times uh, uh, not my first focus. And right. then, of course, then, of course, that you don't have, you know, you start to lose the focus. So it um, yes, as long as that guitar is strong, I think I think the band had a focus, you know. And, a, and has to this day a focus. That's a that's a great that's a great point. And a lot of people ask me online or in person or whatever, and they like you know, I've been playing guitar since I can remember. And you go through lulls where you're not right. inspired, and you see the dip, and it's not like you're not given a hundred percent. It's just you, there's the 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 pilot lights out a little bit. Um, what what did you do to restart that pilot light like in the seventies when you're just like, well, you know family obligations and life hits you, you know, like hits you at full speed. Well, how did you like shake it off and go, okay, I gotta be Kim Simmons again and, 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 and kick ass. Oh, I had to hit the bottom, you know, I hit the bottom hard and, uh, and then, uh, to pull myself out, uh, you know, cause like you say, life hits you hard. And I had to say to myself, you know, um, Nobody can take your talent away from you. You know, no one can take the ability on your guitar. The only way you're going to lose that is if you let it go. And right. uh, it was a it was a really really important time for me. I said, look, I I'm not going to let this go. You know, I'm not going to let this go. No one can take it from me. No one can take how you feel about guitar, how you feel about music, especially guitar playing. And and that was it. And and it was like a, it was almost like a religious experience, you know, where perhaps God was talking to me and saying, "Hey, you know, you've got this ability to play guitar," and uh, it, it life was going astray for me. Uh, but um, and at that point, you know, you can let it go and you'll never get it back. But but it was like you know, it's terribly serious here. But uh, that's that's what happened to me, and uh, I didn't let it go. You know, and it's and it's a testament to a lot of people and who who fall into that that those traps. You know, and and they make a conscious decision not to squander the gifts that they were given. You know, and right. and, and 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 you're a testament because I was listening to your 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 album from last year, um, "Ain't Done Yet," that was released in August of 2020. A great album, by the way. I love the title track, um, and uh, it's a great old fashioned. British Blue Shuffle. I was like, there it is. It's like there's only only those guys know how to do it. 
And I was listening to Street Corner Talking, you know, with, um, you know, Tell Mama and, 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 and um, you know, Can't Get Next to You. Great, great tracks. Um, and the one thing I did notice is, like you're saying, it's you. It's that guitar. And your sound hasn't changed. And the gear may have changed, but the sound of you as, as, the, as the focal point of the band hasn't changed. That's now... Nice. And I've seen pictures of you playing a gold top, uh, a, a 335, a flying V, a Stratocaster. Um, do you have a sound in your mind that you go for and then you just use whatever gear that you, you're, that's in your you know, universe to, to achieve that? Or do you, do you play the Strat differently than you play like the Les Paul? I, th I think the I think I, I do have a sound in my head. You know, I like that warm sound, you know. Right. So I all, I'll always go for the for the uh, the bass pickup, you know, I never go. I very rarely go to the treble thing. I've I've always liked low baritone singers, right? And and so I've, there's something inside of me that goes for that deep sound on the guitar. If I pick up a Strat, I will play slightly differently. Right. Uh, it brings up more of an R and B type thing in me. Uh, if I play uh, three three five, I get a little more jazzy. If I play the flying V, you know, it's balls to the wall with this one. Right, right. And uh, you know, so yeah, the different guitars bring out different things in me. I, I think that it that uh, my personality is such that I'm kind of stuck with it, um, and uh, which is irritating for my wife. But uh, it. Uh, I often want to be other people all the time, you know, uh, especially when I was 19, 20, you know, in the, those early days, we were playing seven nights a week and maybe more. And, you know, I, I'd want to be Albert King or I'd want to be this person, that person. And, and I think, you know, so which, so, so I, I always wanted to be other people because I, I'm so enamored uh, of other people. Uh, like I can't play very fast. And I'd love to play fast. Look at these people. And so I get into my studio and I, I try to play. And of course, it's not me. And that lasts for a day or two. And I, and I try to do that. And in the end, um, so, so, you know, I do have a sound in my, my head. Uh, I do have a personality I've become aware of, mainly because, you know, I've tried to dump that personality. I've tried to be, I've tried to be uh, something else because I think, we're always enamored uh, with other people's playing, you know, right. and uh, and of course I do bring a lot of that into my playing. Right. You know, I will try to bring a little bit of that dexterity into my playing. I will try to bring a, a little bit of uh, everybody I listen to. You know, you can't help it. I try to stop it. You right. know, I'm on stage playing Wow Wow, and suddenly, oh, Hendrix is coming through, and I try, I try to, no, don't go there, or Steve Ray Vaughan, no, don't go there, or Joe Benamassa. I was like, no, no, you know, and I, as soon as I start to play that lick, I'll try to play a little bit differently, you know. Yeah. So it, so that there's, you know, but of course, you know, it's it's fun. I love guitar. It's fun yeah. to play Hendrix. It's fun to play Eric Clapton licks. It's fun to play this thing, but you've got to be careful because that, of course. Uh, you know, you want to be be yourself. So, so I have that sound. I do have that sound in my head. That that bass, you know, uh, sound. That mid sound. That low sound. That warm sound. And then, uh, and then my personality. Uh, I don't think I've got the patience to, to actually learn uh, a lick as I've heard it on the, 
on the record or, or what have you. If, if I want to play somebody's lick, I haven't got the patience to get it down perfect. Right. I go, this is good enough. And that right. good enough is, is probably good advice because that good enough now comes out like a young personality. Well, yeah, it's your interpretation of your interpretation. Yeah, I, I do the same thing, you know, and when I was learning guitar, we had tape decks and records and you would skip them back and try to learn it and you right. know, try to slow them down, transpose right. the key. Now everything is very much online. And I see I see kids 17, 18 years old. They're just playing this stuff. I'm like, Where are they learning? And then I look online. It's like, oh, it, it is just it's there. And you can right. learn it identical, and somebody has taken the time. But I also right. think, you know, you know, when I first heard Eric Clapton, I was like, I hear some Freddie King, but I hear him taking it just to a certain point and then being himself. Same thing with you. I hear, I hear Albert. I hear, you know, the the greats. But then you, you like you said, you have that self governance to go. I still got to be an artist, you know. And right. that's that's right. that's that's a that's great advice. Who's your slide influence? Because I love you. I love the opening to Tell Mama. That's like that's like <laughs> open A and 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 chicken right. button. And that sounds like a Gibson to me. Am I am I correct? Yeah, that, that was a, a Les Paul Junior. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I'd ever played slide guitar for that. Re really? I know. Yeah, it was the very oh, first time. <laughs> Dave, Lonesome Dave, Lonesome Dave, and myself were in Minneapolis. You do this all the time. I follow you, and. Uh, we were at the hotel in Minneapolis for a show in, must have been January 69. And there was a pawn shop around the corner. We went to the pawn shop. Mm. He, he, uh, he went to the pawn shop first. We used to go to the pawn shops. He came back and goes, look at this Les Paul, $25. And uh, I said, wow. He said, yeah, there's another one there. You should go back. So I went back there. Of course, now the guy had really got a little bit hip here. You know, what does right. somebody else coming back? So he charged me fifty dollars. So, right. you know, and so that was the we both bought the Les Paul Juniors. Dave used his then with Salvador Brown from then on, and uh, and I would then I couldn't quite do the the stuff I would like to do on the neck, you know, on, on that Les Paul Junior. It was it wasn't as smooth as the Flying V I was using. Right. Maybe it wasn't as small or something. Right. And so I can't remember, you know, it was part of my arsenal. And then uh, when we, when the seventies came around uh, and uh, I was writing songs like Tell Mama, I found that my style didn't quite fit it. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, what am I gonna do here? You know, I've got to, and then that's when I turned to the, to the slide guitar, I found that when, I was usually play. I used to play in minor a lot. Even if we did a major song on that Street Corner Talking album, for instance, there's a song called Time Does Tell. But for the solo, it went from major to minor. Right. And that's when I could play. That suited me really well to play within that. The, uh, you know, it had a, the minor key has a wistfulness about it. It's melancholy, you know. And yeah. I could bring bring out my feeling into that. But here we got with Tell Mama or some of the major keys. It was like, now what do I do? You know, so that's when I, that's when it was like, oh, I can play slide guitar. And, uh, you know, and and that's really what led me to play. And then I picked up the, the, the Les Paul Junior. It was perfect for slide. Right. 
right. but I couldn't quite do the lead things I would like to do on it. And uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it was fun. Unfortunately, there's no $50 Les Paul Juniors anymore. <laughs> I, I guess not. <laughs> Things have changed. Things have hey, you changed. ripped me off. It should have been $25. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, 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 the pawn shop guy, he's like, who are these English guys? One, yeah, one right. of these Gibsons, you know? Yeah, it's like, right. raise the price, you know? <laughs> it was his ship had come in that day. Um, <laughs> do you remember the gold top? The 50, yes, I do. It looks like I, a 54, 53. 53. It was a 53. And uh, yes, I do remember it very well. I was foolish with that guitar. Uh, it had gone through a lot. It, it, it um, I had it repaired and people mm -hmm. ripped me off, you know. And when I got the guitar back, they had taken parts of it and everything. And I was, right. too, I, I, I was too, uh, I, I, I wasn't forward enough to, to, to call them on it, open it. And, uh, but uh, yes, I remember it well. I love the guitar. It had gone through a lot. It was it was stolen, and I got it back in Germany. It was two. The, the dressing room was two flights up on this venue, mm -hmm. and I I I'm always pretty protective of my guitars. I left it in the dressing room. It's two flights up. Right. Somebody goes up right up the side of the the building, gets in. I know it's unbelievable. Takes the guitar, gone, and. Uh, but then it was it was in somewhere like Berlin or something, and and the word went out, uh, and uh, and I got the guitar back. You know, somebody I don't know how they found it, but they found the guitar and I got the guitar back. That was great. And then, uh, but then I uh, like I say later on, I um, I had it. I don't know what was going on with it. I had it repaired. Did I break the neck? Maybe I can't even remember. Maybe I broke the neck, but I had it repaired, uh, and uh, it, then it all went awry from that point. Right, on. right. <laughs> yeah, those. I mean, that that's the thing about you know working men's Les Pauls that that were that were used in the '70s. Like a lot of times, you see them, the necks were broken off because they were they were used every day. They the stands well, were really crappy and they'd fall off and they'd break the neck and pair them and go, you know? Well, now you mentioned that. I, I always forget it until you just mentioned the Les Paul I'm using now, and I've used it for years and years, uh, broke the neck. But by then, mm -hmm. you know, they really knew how to repair things. Right. And uh, so the neck was re repaired and, I, and I, I, you know, you would never know that it was repaired. In fact, and this is the first time I've thought about it as <laughs> right, a broken right. neck. It, Tell me about, because, um, you know, tell me about upstate New York. Now, I'm from Utica. You live in Oswego. And right. a lot of people might not know, like, Kim, Kim Simmons lives in Oswego. How did you make it? How did you? And you've lived in the U.S. since 1980. I read that. You yes. moved here like 41 right. years ago. Right. And, and you're like, how did, how did you end up in, in, in Oswego? This is the, the fishing capital of, of New York State and, and, a, and a, a, a major port for <laughs> commerce between Canada and the U.S.? Yeah, uh, well, it started with my emigration to, to America in 7980. Right. Uh, um, I felt a bit uh, left out over there. You know, my career was slowing down over there. And right. people, people are saying to me, oh, you know, uh, if you can't, you know, just why bother to work kind of thing. And it was like, what do you, what do you mean? I, you know, I'm 30 right. years old. I want to play guitar. That's right. what I live for. And uh, I'll play guitar in a corner bar. 
you know, it doesn't have, you know, doesn't have to be Albert Hall or something. And uh, so I was very frustrated. I thought I'll go to America. I was married to an American girl at the time. So I put all my belongings into a ship's container and I actually emigrated and came over here. And um, then that marriage failed after a few mm. years. Uh, then I moved to and I didn't know what to do. Um, it was a very, that was the low time of my life that we, that we would refer to earlier on. And uh, I'd really sort of lost the ability to play guitar. And I had friends that were in Ithaca, New York, which, uh, which is in upstate New York, uh, central New York, I guess they call it. And so I would, uh, when that marriage uh, folded, uh, this would have been in the 1980s, uh, I moved up to, to some, uh, some uh, musician friends and and uh, as in all divorces, you know, I was sleeping on their couches, you know, and right, trying, right. and that kind of uh, life. Uh, and it was great. I had some really made some really good friends, and and I found that I really liked the area because it reminded me of you know back home. You know, you had the different seasons and everything. So I really started to establish myself in the area, and um, you know, started to get my feet wet again. Started to try to relearn how to play guitar, you know, it was a real process. And uh, then uh, as uh, 19, in the early 90s, uh, I met my present wife and uh, we, um, she was originally from Oswego and her family was here and we wanted to settle down. We wanted to have a family of our own. Right. So uh, we moved to Oswego to have the support of her family. Right. And uh, this was simple as that, really. You know. and, uh, and I've been here now in this exact spot for for 30 years. You know, we've been together for 30 years. So uh, it's been very, very successful marriage. And uh, uh, also the um, I had to, um, you know, the going through the 60s and the 70s, was was a very very crazy time for me professionally musically the whole thing right. and so it was kind of uh and, and deep down I, I always wanted to be a family man but i right. never got it right you know yeah. and uh so uh, when i met deb it was like you know this is a chance to uh to get right the part of the, uh, of, of life that i really wanted to get right which was the family part of it and uh and and really, I've been pretty low low profile since then because uh, it uh, you know had my career going strongly. I hope, but uh, really was quite happy to uh, to have the family life. It's been fantastic, you know. Yeah, and it's and it's peaceful, and you find peace because the 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 road is so manic. Every, right. It's like it's it, it's a it, you're traveling. You're 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 basically living life in unsettled territory or your hotel gig hotel gig step and repeat right you know six weeks and in your home and it's nice to have that 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 peace and quiet where you can then be almost become another person you're not you're you're, you're just dad and kim and 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 a neighbor versus right. you know you go out and you're you're a star well, and, and everything else you know i know that that sh that came back to me uh, about uh, well we did a video for the Ain't Done Yet, and we wanted to do a second video. And now it's been months. Yeah. It's been a year since I've done a show. Mm -hmm. So the second video, I suddenly started to get terrible anxiety. Mm 
And it took me, I, I did the video, but then they wanted some extra footage. And it took me weeks to do it because I suddenly realized that when I play guitar, when I go on stage, or what, well, like you say, when you're in role, right. you are in role. And I yeah. never thought of myself as adopting a role, but I suddenly realized I couldn't do the video because I couldn't get the headspace right, you know. And it shocked me because, you know, uh, I realized that, wow, you know, there, there is another, you know, there's, there's more to it, you know, than just, yeah. like you say, you, you, you leave the family man behind and now you're, you're, uh, you're, um, you're a guitar player. You're, you're, you're pouring yourself out, you know, through the guitar and, and it, it, it's, it's been this time off. I think that's been an eye opener for me because, as you say, when we're all playing all the time and when you're out there and you're touring and doing shows, you're keeping that ball rolling. There's a part of you that's always there. You never lose that. And I think with the pandemic here and the time off, you know, that's that has uh, it's, be, it's been a, an awakening to me, you know, that uh, that there's two sides of you. So, sort of thing, yeah. I always tell people like if you know we were last time I saw you we were in Nuremberg Germany and you were nice enough to come to my show and I was like wow cool nice to see you <laughs> and, I, and I always probably tell my my backstage guests I'm like at around 7:30 I'm like guys um, I gotta go I gotta go become the other guy I will be back here at 10:10 you know <laughs> and, and and it's not a put on but right. it is a you're tapping into something else in your personality that right. outwardly just in a social setting talking to folks you're not you're not you're not there it's when you step on stage there's there's that there's another side of you that you don't realize is there and then it comes out once you get right. a guitar and a microphone and a bag full of good songs you know it, it's it's a very interesting psychological thing that probably should be studied at least i should be studied yeah. <laughs> well i think you i think you're pouring your feelings out you know you're right. you're, you're letting something out from inside you that's you know that is, is deeper than a conversation sort of thing, you know? So you can tell me more about y you through your guitar playing, you know? Or you could tell me something about yourself through your guitar playing that's, that you can't say through a conversation, I think. I, th I think it's a deeper, a deeper communication, right. actually, you know? And so I think to get that deeper communication, you, you go into that other world, you know? How do you approach picking a cover song? How do you, you know, you're a great songwriter, and then you know we bought we all do covers, especially in this genre. I mean, right. Freddie King did covered, so did BB. You know, I mean, like it, right. it, it's all fair game. How do you go? What's the selection process of 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 picking a song by somebody else and making it your own? Um, wow, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think you've got to really like the artist that you're going to do the song by. You've got to really like that person's music. You've got to really be connected to that person. Uh, you know, for, for starters, I don't yeah. think it does any good if somebody says, you know, um, here's Joe Smith's song, you know, do this, it's great. You know, well, you got, I think it's much better if you, if you already are a fan of Joe Smith, if you're already buying him stuff, it's like, yeah, I like this. This is, this is, the, this is my music. And that's part, that's part of the thing. Right. I don't think you should be just picking songs because they're good yeah. songs, you know. Where did you get uh, Can't Get Next to You from Al Green or The Temptations? From Al Green. 
I'll, okay, I was yeah. going to say, it sounds yeah. very Memphis, your version. Yeah, yeah. it's fr from Al Green. And uh, of course, we knew uh, The Temptations. I was a big fan of The Temptations. Right. They influenced Hellbound Train, The Temptations did, mm -hmm. you know, because at the time they were doing uh, uh, those long uh, R&B songs, you know, for about 10 minutes. Right. And, and really, that's where I got the idea. I, I wanted to do a Temptations heavy. I think I'm trying to think of some of those Temptations songs now. Uh, Ball of... Right. Uh, all, uh, uh, so yeah, so Temptations were a big influence on me. But to do that song, we were big Al, Al Green, big Memphis Al Green fans. Yeah, because you know Samway Brown. I mean, you guys get heavy in 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 a lot of places, and you're very sophisticated. You know, I, I this morning I was like, I was like, oh, that's a French horn. That's a string section. You know, <laughs> in the middle of an instrumental. I was like, wow, that's nice to have those budgets again. You know. Um, yeah. You know, like, like you know, songs like "I'm Tired." You know, like that's a big, heavy riff. You know, and 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 you know, how how influential was heavier music on 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 your blues journey as you were as you were going through the '70s yeah. and '80s and '90s? Well, well, that was it. You know, it, that that has been the hallmark of Savoy Brown music. Even today, now I've noticed in the last couple of days, I've, I've been writing songs. You know, during this time off for a new album, maybe next year. And I and it's been getting lighter and lighter the material, and the last couple of days, um, a friend of mine that helps me with pre-production of songs and stuff sent me this and said, you know, maybe you need something like this, you know, a little bit more of an up-tempo rocker. Yeah. And, that's, and that suddenly made me realize, oh, that's way heavier. You know, I've been getting lighter. So there is uh, one of my failings is that I can tend to play the guitar too lightly. I start to finesse it, uh, right. play very lightly. And it take it, it. I need to see somebody uh, really, you know, work that guitar. And it said, "Oh yeah, and that's what I've got to be doing." So, um, and it's the same with writing songs. If I'm not careful, I'll start writing too light. So, so the the heavy Savoy Brown music has been there from day one. Right. Uh, I um, when we did Ain't Superstitious, and I, I listened to Ain't Superstitious by uh, a Howling Wolf. Uh, uh, not so long ago, but three months ago. And when I heard it, I realized that Hubert Sumlin on the on the record doesn't play it like I played it. He plays it right. da 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 And I realized, oh, so, uh, you know, again, your personality, what we were talking about at the beginning, I went da 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 I straightened it out. And it was heavier, you know, boom, boom, right. boom, boom, I didn't have that Hubert's, you know, uh, personality. And he, he had a quirky sort of did, way he yeah. played guitar. Uh, and uh, so that that was the way right from the beginning, you know, it was it was, you know, let's get heavy, you know, let's. And, and that it has I've tried to do that, uh, you know, throughout uh, Throughout the, you know, that's what the hallmark is of my playing, I think, and and the hallmark of Savoy Brown. But that doesn't mean I, that that even I can do it all the time. You know, even I can I get too light at times. You know? Right, it, that's the stamp. The only things I love about the Holland Wolf records is they clearly tuned to the piano, which oh. clearly clearly was probably not not in tune in in, in a <laughs> classical sense. But yeah. they all tuned to the piano, right. and it was only you would only notice. When when Wolf would play the harmonica, which was in tune, that was the old, you know, <laughs> and he would sing in tune, and it was just beautifully ramshackle, 
you know, combo of like, it's just, they just played the tune. Here's the song. They're getting paid to play done, you know? And, it, and it's like, I, I, I miss those days when, when you, it's not, you weren't, nobody was getting away with it. It was just, it was pure, you know, like oh, yeah. you know, now and, you know, like with modern records, you could tune anything. You could tune a guitar, you can digitally tune a voice, you know, when you approach the new record, ain't done yet. Um, how, how did you approach the new record? Did you want to go in old school? Cause to me, it sounds like old school Savoy Brown playing the blues and rock, you know, oh. did, did you, did you, did you consciously say, you know what, we're just, we're, we're going to kick it like we've done for 50 years. I don't think that was there. I think, you know, you, you try to write good material. Mm -hmm. You, you try to put your best foot forward. You know, you, um, <clears throat> I did, there was something I did know in the, in the last prior two albums that I'd done with Ben Elliott and I'd worked with Ben way back in the nineties as well. Uh, we reconnected for the last, these last three albums for the first two there. I let him get my guitar sound. You know, I go in, he's got all the, he's got all the vintage stuff, right, right. I, you know, and uh, I had enough to think about. So yeah, yeah. it was like, okay, if you want to get my guitar sound, that's one thing I don't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. On this last one, it was, I said to him, hey, Ben, look, I'm really getting a good sound on stage. Yeah. And uh, it's really working. And I want to bring that into the studio. So we set, I got two amps, I set them up. And uh, he said, yeah. No problem. So sounds good. So that was that was I think that was the important thing with the new amplifier, with the new album in terms of sound. Mm -hmm. It was you know now I'm using my stage sound mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, a studio sound. And then uh, no, I, I was just trying to be true to Savoy Brown music. Right. You know that's important. Uh, I was trying to uh, you know, write good songs that I could sing and and be convincing on. Uh, I was, uh, I had decided to use a variety of guitars to, to add variety. Right. Uh, so there was those conscious decisions. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was it really, you know, it, but, but yeah, I'm always conscious of, of Savoy Brown music, you know, right. of, uh, of being true to Savoy Brown music, which is a mixture of blues and rock and, uh, at, and you try to get right in the middle. You know, I was I, uh, recently I wrote a song. Oh, in fact, I wrote a song for that album. Was I thought it was too rock, you know? So no, I can't do that. And then, uh, so you, so you always, so I, I always want to try to land somewhere in the middle. Street corner talking, you know, was the one I go back to because if I can get it right, then it's going to be successful. And but it's very difficult to get that blend correct, you know, where you don't. You know, you're not suddenly playing a country song, you know, in a in a yeah. in a blues rock album or something, you know. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I am conscious of keeping the focus. Yeah, for sure. What's the cliche? If it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so tell me, just uh, to wrap up here, um, what are your plans? Do you have uh, touring plans this year, or or uh, is there anything on the books? Well, I mean, it's difficult to answer that because everybody's in a state of well, we'll just wait and see. But is there any anything on the books, short yeah, term, long term? Yeah, we, we um, the dates from last year we pushed over to this year. Mm -hmm. We have a show in May mm -hmm. uh, with Fogger, my oh, old nice. pals. Right. So so that's going to be great. Uh, but if so, May is uh, we got one show in May with Fogger. 
then uh, our shows from last year have been pushed more, more to September, October. Mm -hmm. We have some summer shows. So, you know, we're just keeping our fingers crossed that the May show uh, will happen. Uh, I have got uh, a vaccine appointment for uh, March, middle of Good. March. So um, let's, uh, you know, let, let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, so we, we got we got shows there. Uh, I've been painting, uh, you know, get, I, I paint guitars, I paint other things and it, it's fun so, uh, to, to keep myself busy and uh, I offer those to fans and, and that's, that's, that's a great uplift to me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, you, I, luckily I, I've got the guitar, uh, that always makes me feel good, you know, it, you know however I'm feeling. I can go into this, my studio or, or even here and I play guitar uh, when I've been very sick in the past, you know, I've been able to uh, play the guitar and it just makes me feel better. You know, I love and uh, it uh, I can get a bit cranky on the road, you know, and doing all as we all can do in the professional mm -hmm. thing. But, uh, you know, sometimes it takes this kind of uh, event with the virus, right. you know, to or any kind of event, actually, maybe bad health, mm -hmm. which happened to me as well. You know, you have incidents in your life which remind you what the important things are to you in life, of course, your family and and uh, uh, and so forth. Uh, and uh, but way up on that list and the top five, you know, is is playing guitar and it just makes me feel good <laughs> it makes me feel better no matter what it is and, and what a beautiful thing you know f for us to have uh, for, for anybody even if you're an amateur you know to, to I, I always say you know play an instrument guitar is fairly easy to play uh, even if you're just strumming it it's gonna make you feel better <laughs> well I will say this um, the last question is, is something I've asked a lot on this program and uh, and I'm, I'm gonna ask you what advice would you give a 21-year-old Kim Simmons right now? It's something I always say to people that want to start off in the business. Mm -hmm. I will say to them that, uh, you know, as a musician, be focused on one style. If you want to play guitar, for instance, uh, at least it worked for me. Uh, you know, don't play Beatles songs. Don't play Led Zeppelin. Don't play, you know, Megadeth. Don't play... Uh, you know, Freddie King, you know, if you really want to play the instrument, focus on one style, right? You know, I want to play and I think that helped me, you know, we're going back to we were discussing I was, I was listening to all sorts of music until it was Chicago, Chicago blues that hit me. Right. Once I zoomed in on that, and that's when I really started playing guitar. Now I was dedicated to one style. And within a very short time, I could play guitar, because I wasn't thinking, oh, I should play like, um, you know, Hank Marvin or something, you know, right. it was like, I'm going to play this style of guitar. And, and so that's my would be my advice to to any uh, 21 year old put blinkers on, you know, you're going to, you know, whatever that if you want to play whatever that you what style you want, mm -hmm. stick to that. And maybe that's the same for as a person, you know, whatever you want to do in life. Pick one, pick one, one court, one road. <laughs> that's great advice. Kim, I can I can speak for everyone watching and myself. We all love you, and we oh, all love the wow. music of, of of Savoy Brown, and and it's and it's changed my life for the better. And oh, wow. and and our friendship means the world to me. And and wow. and, and it's it's just it's a wonderful to talk to you. And thank you for being here. 
Oh, thank you, Joe. I mean, it's so, so wonderful. I mean, it makes me feel so nice to hear you say that. Thank you. You're a superstar. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, <laughs> yeah. blues rock legend, <laughs> Kim Simmons from Savoy Brown. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Joe. This has been Live from Nerdville. Tune in next week.